listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. It's been uh, a pleasure uh, uh, with all the different uh, topics that we've been covering lately and that sort of thing. And I think you're going to enjoy today's interview. Um, if you're looking at your calendar, uh, we're recording this on May the 1st, 2020. And uh, as uh, you may remember, if it's been a few months before you start listening to this, uh, we're sort of in the possible down uh, uh, turn of been hitting the U.S. and the world, and we're just keeping our fingers crossed that they're going to continue to let uh, the uh, sanctions being lifted off of fishing, and people are going to get back and enjoying the outdoors like they uh, that that they have in the United States. So uh, we're excited about that. So without further ado, I am going to introduce Damon Struble. Damon is the owner operator of Nomad's Fishing Adventures out of uh, the great state of Oregon. And we're gonna talk about fishing on the Central Oregon coast and the Central Oregon rivers and whatever else in the heck comes up. So anyway, Damon, are you online? I am. Terrific, well, welcome Damon. How are you, man? Hey, you know, I'm doing okay. I'd be uh, doing a lot better if I could get out and do some fishing though. So true, but we're we are hearing that uh, there may be some lifting of those sanctions in in the what the weeks or month or the month ahead, and hopefully it's it's weeks, not month, right? Yeah, anywhere from uh, you know mid May to the beginning of June is somewhere in there we're hoping. There you go. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed because I know it's been uh, you you sort of lost uh, part of a season already and. Opening that back up obviously puts you back in business and puts people uh, out on the water with you having fun catching fish. So um, anyway, uh, Damon, tell us a little about yourself, maybe how you got started in, in, uh, in the business and when in the world did you start fishing and, and that sort of thing. Okay, well, I started fishing as just a kid. I kind of grew up in the just outside the city limits of Corvallis, Oregon. And um, I was uh, pretty fortunate to have a gravel pit just about 200 yards outside my backyard. And so my older brother and I would uh, wake up early mornings and take our stick poles and go down to this thing with a bucket and fill it up with bluegill and crappie and bass and bring it home. And that's how I started fishing. And, um, and I just kind of, you know, progressed in that kind of fishing all uh, through on. And then uh, um, went all through school and stuff and just kind of fish ponds and stuff like that for um, bass and uh, crappie and stuff. And did a little uh -huh. bit of ocean fishing, but I always used to get seasick real bad. And my dad loved oh, really? the ocean, but, but boy, I hated the ocean. Yeah, it once you're out fishing with him, you were there and you weren't going back in. You're and so, <laughs> yeah. And so um, I wasn't really an ocean fan for a long time and uh, went into the military, came out, got full-time work. And, and then I found the, the glory that is salmon and steelhead fishing with some of my coworkers that uh, oh. from my prior career. Uh -huh. And oh man, the, the warm water fishing just went aside for me. I mean, there was nothing better than, the tug of a salmon or a steelhead on the end of your rod. And um, so I kind of just kind of focused on that and uh, I found kokanee as well. And so, um, and I just kind of kept going um, through doing that and um, got to, uh, because I was spending so much time on the rivers and stuff, I got to know some guides and this one in particular, a guy by the name of Grant Sheely. Um, oh, yes. I got to know him. And uh, we would fish around each other from time to time. And he, uh, he told me that uh, I, I should take up guiding. He says, you know, you got a really level temperament and um, you coach your people well and stuff like that. And you should take up guiding. And I told him that uh, uh, at the time I was working as a, a police officer here in Albany where I live. Uh -huh. And um, I was uh, um, one of the major crime detectives. And so, 
um, I had to tell him that, you know, I, I, you know, I don't think I can do that because, you know, how do you uh, make plans with people a few weeks or a month in advance? And then at two o'clock in the morning, you call them up and say, Hey, I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm out at a major crime scene and, and stuff. Yeah. And so it probably wouldn't be very good for business. And he goes, Oh, I never thought about that. Um, and so I, um, after I retired from that, he says, Hey, you should, you should take up that guiding thing we talked about. And I kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit. And then, and then I got bored after I retired and uh-huh. I thought, you know, maybe that's a good idea. So that's kind of how I got into guiding was, oh, wow. uh, was through, through him, his encouragement. And I, I really enjoyed it. You know, um, I didn't think that I would want to turn what I used as a, a mental break into, into work, but, yeah, you just you develop new friendships, and um, mm-hmm. it's uh, and the other thing is it's nice to have a job where people are happy to see you for a change. And uh, as a police really officer, I didn't really get that too much. <laughs> that so yeah, yeah. So you know everybody's happy to see me, even though it's early in the morning, and um, you know we just have a good time throughout the day, and that's kind of a breath of fresh air all by itself. Um, so um, anyway, but. Uh, but once you know, once I started guiding, and I kind of figured out some ways to, uh, um, well, I figured this out before I was guiding. Um, I figured out ways to uh, manage my seasickness um, to where it wasn't exacerbated, you know, um, by the things that I was eating and drinking and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then eventually, I just kind of got used to it to where it's not a problem for me anymore. But um, as I, you know, in my later years of <clears throat> police work. You know, some of my friends were ocean fishermen, and um, they were better at it than my dad. And so it was uh-huh. funner because we were actually we were actually catching a lot more fish. And um, so, and I just really loved how aggressive you know ocean fish were. I mean, because they're mm-hmm. they're literally hungry all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I figured out that you know I I couldn't drink coffee when I was going out in the ocean. Um, and, um, you know, certain things that I ate, I couldn't, you know, real oily foods or anything like that. It was just, uh, it just made things worse. And, um, and then also, you know, looking down and tying knots and doing all that that other kind of stuff, just, uh, uh, once I figured out not to do that, um, you know, tie up my leaders ahead of time with clips um, you know, try and have, you know, my baits all prepared in such a way to where I just, I have to look down for just a second to grab them, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then, and then hold them up, hold them up in the, you know, to, uh, to secure them or secure the clips or what, whatever. Um, right. It just made it so I wasn't getting sick anymore. And uh-huh. so, or, or less. And so anyway, and then eventually I kind of got, my body just got used to it and, to where I really don't need to worry about it as much anymore. So it, uh, oh, that's kind of how my ocean fishing started. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's kind of turned into um, a niche thing for me that I have quite a few people that really enjoy going out and catching lingcod and sea bass and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And <clears throat> I run my, um, you know, you have the big charter boats, you know, that they get a bunch of people on their elbow to elbow and, stuff and um, to get those diesel motors running and there's a lot of my clients the reason they were with me is because they don't like that kind of thing they don't mm-hmm. they, they like a little more personal service i take you know a minimum of three and a max of six out of my boat oh wow that's, and uh, that's intimate is it not yeah 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 and it's yeah. Uh, it's just a lot funner there's a lot of banter that goes on and, and I, that's really one of the funnest parts of the of the day is, you know, the, the bantering that guys do with one another, you know, and mm-hmm. you really know how well you can get along with one another by how much you can rib each other and still have a good time at it um, uh-huh. and, and catch fish at the same time. So, <clears throat> um, but, you know, I, uh, you know, the big charters, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they, they take all these people out and to uh, make it simple and easy for their deck hand and stuff, they just have a bunch of jigs and they just mm-hmm. throw these jigs out. And uh, let them float to the bottom and reel them up. And if something grabs them, it's great. And if not, that's great too. But they, um, uh, you know, they have that style of fishing really does target the sea bass more. Right. 
And, um, you know, so they get their limit of five to seven bass, depending on the year. And they're happy with that. And occasionally they get some ling cod, but I, uh, I do mine a lot differently. I take in, um, I almost like, um, I use a technique similar to mooching and, okay. uh, which is a salmon fishing technique. And, um, and that's how I fish for my ling cod. And so subsequently, um, I, I always catch a limit of ling cod for my clients. Um, really? and then, and then once I catch uh, my ling cod, then I will focus more on the bass. Um, but because I'm dragging, you know, bait, you know, herring or squid mm-hmm. or an octopus or something like that right down near the bottom, um, that's where a lot of times the bigger bass and stuff live as well. And so we're always picking those up um, along with the ling cod. Um, mm-hmm. and, and occasionally we even get a halibut when we're out doing that. Um, oh, yeah. And so we're always picking up bass and stuff along the way. So, you know, by the time, you know, we've got our limit of ling cod, it, um, it, it doesn't normally take us long to catch our bass after that, just simply because... Um, we're just changing techniques to where we have three hooks on instead of just one. And if you go through a school of them, I mean, you can hook three at one time pretty easy. Right. And right. that goes to a limit pretty fast when that happens. Yeah, no kidding. So for our listeners that are not familiar with mooching, can you, can you explain that a little bit more? Um, yeah, sure. Um, it's um, probably one of the simplest um terminal gear setup so you can use um you have a um, your main line that comes off your rod so before you get to your first swivel um you'll have um what we call a slider you'll put a slider on and your weight attaches to that and so because you know you're using maybe 12 ounces of lead um to get down to the bottom you may not want the fish to bite and feel that so they call it a slider because the line slides through that, and so it it doesn't oh, okay. feel all that it doesn't feel all that weight. The fish is able to pull on it, and um, without feeling the weight. Um, mm-hmm. And so then after that uh, swivel, then you know it just goes to your um, your your two hook your mooching rig, they call it, where you have two single point hooks that are about three to four feet back from that and then you have a your bait yeah, for mooching you would use herring and herring only because it's a salmon technique um and you would uh, have it in there um and you put a little bend in the fish's body so it spins like it's crippled and oh, uh, you know right. you know because fish they go for the easy prey first you know for the most part you know looks uh, a crippled fish or an easy meal mm-hmm. and it just kind of tr- triggers a, a feeding response for fish Mm-hmm. And um, you just slowly let that down so it doesn't get tangled up. And then once you feel the bottom once, you just kind of hold on to your rod. Um, you know, there's uh, people who go out and fish for ling cod and they're jigging all day long, you know, lifting that rod up, dropping it, lifting right. the rod up, dropping right. it. And with this technique, all you do is just, once you drop it down to the bottom, you just um, you just reel it up about a foot or so off the bottom and just just hold on to it and wait for something to come and grab it. Ah. So it's real, real super simple. Right, right, and and you've got uh, you've got a lot of time at the bottom where it should be. That, uh, that that sounds like it could be very productive. Yeah, so you know, and um, you know, most of the time, um, you know, I have a limit of fish, you know, for for four people. Um, you know, by eleven o'clock, you know, we start like wow. at seven in the morning. So it's. It's really a productive fishery. There's times when it's, you know, I, I go longer, but mm-hmm. not not normally. Now, now you were saying that you uh, start off fishing for ling cod. How uh, how big are the ling cod in Oregon? Well, minimum length um, is 22 inches, so they have okay. they have to be 22, and then there's no maximum size. <clears throat> the water I fish in isn't uh isn't conducive to all big fish um because deep deep obey my favorite place um it uh it doesn't get deep really fast you know so and i'm not traveling 15 miles offshore um to the real big reefs um you know i'm only like a mile offshore in anywhere from 70 to 100 feet of water instead of 
three to six hundred oh, wow. feet of water. You're fishing very so, shallow, yeah. So, so anyway, so the fish are anywhere from, um, well, from twenty-two inches, and I've caught some that are, um, you know, forty inches. So, um, and the springtime is when those real big ones come in um, to spawn. Uh -huh. Stuff, but uh, and there's others that are there all the time. So, but that's kind of the range between. I try not to keep anything that's um, under like 25 inches, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of them out there. But um, I will almost always anything that I know is legal. I will uh, I'll bring in the boat. Uh huh. Just because um, you know sometimes the bite just turns off. Right. And. It's. Uh, I've had times when I had to work a lot longer to get that limit of ling cod because I threw others back, and so I've kind of learned. I've kind of learned that you know you just don't. It's, it's just a bird in the hand, you know that whole thing. Just as right. best, best to play, play it safe and make sure you got, you know, a limit of you know legal size fish, you know, and you know three four inches above legal, legal size, mm -hmm. um, versus maybe somebody not getting something at all. To take home, right? And, but which, which, as far as ling cod, that's never happened. There's been times when I haven't got my limit of uh, sea bass, but mm -hmm. um, but I've never not got a limit of ling cod. Now, ling cod, they uh, they tend to be a really ugly fish, don't they? I mean, they're they're oh, they're kind of they're horribly ugly. ugly. Yeah, <laughs> they're not as ugly as, as a cabzon is, but they're pretty ugly. Uh huh. Yeah, but they're some of the best tasting fish in the in the entire ocean. They're incredible. Yeah, well, you know, if you think about fish and chips that you buy and get in the stores, I mean, that is what lingcod is for ah, the most part. Really? So, yeah, ah, yeah, good. really super delicious um, white meat fish. Um, uh -huh. And uh, but you know, they are like the wolf of the ocean. They uh, they're sleek. They're kind of snaky like, you know, in a way. Mm -hmm. They uh, but a great big head and mouth on them. Just yeah, and and full of teeth everywhere. Um, they got teeth actually even going down their throats um no so really yeah really? so once they get a, once they get a hold of something and if and they'll position it head first <clears throat> to swallow it and they just then they just kind of just swallow it little bit by little bit by little bit and those teeth all face back towards their throat so there's really no way once a fish gets in there head first that it's getting out it's, yeah uh, yeah it's pretty incredible critter the way it's uh nature's designed it so yeah now do they um, fight well um sometimes um mm -hmm. they uh they got really big pectoral fins on them and okay. so they'll you know the bigger ones especially they will fight pretty good initially and then all of a sudden you can tell that they've just they've opened up their mouth and they've thrown their pectoral fins out and fanned them out um mm -hmm. to where they're just like drawing a, a sea anchor up Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so you, then you have this great big toothy mouth, uh, you know, coming up from the depths as it gets closer. Oh yeah, and yeah. So, um, so they do they do fight good initially, and and then some of them just plain have more personality, just like anything else. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and will you know fight you the whole way. Uh, but right. for the most part, you know, they they give you about I don't know a minute or two of a pretty good fight and then it's you know just uh passive resistance the rest of the way up yeah now have, have you ever <clears> seen <throat> any of those those uh, ling cod that are kind of bluish in color I've, I've seen pictures of those but um yeah, yeah i get i get them pretty frequently so oh, um yeah and they're really they're really beautiful they um they're kind of a turquoise green um some mm -hmm. of them are more green than others and People actually call them a greenling cod, but and there is a oh. species of fish called a greenling, but right. that's not it. That's not it. So um, these are the same as um, all the other ling cod that are inside your boat. And the theory from biologists, and they don't know for sure, is is that these fish um, have been feeding more on octopus than anything else, and that the ink dye that the octopus oh. used to, uh, you know, uh, expel to get away from predators. Right. Um, gets into the meat, causing oh, that really? green. And so, and so the, out, the outer surface of the, of the fish is green, and, but when you cut into them, 
the meat is green as well. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so you, some people will look at it and think, is this meat okay? <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but once, but once you cook it, it, all that goes away and just turns white again. I'll be darned. So, but yeah, they're real. They're just they're just gorgeous. That green, they're really cool. Yeah. And and yeah. one of the other neat things about lingcod is um, just how aggressive they are as predators. And um, you know, we were talking about um, that whole uh, spinning herring thing that looks like mm -hmm. a crippled. <clears throat> um, you know, as we hook other fish sometimes, and they kind of give the, that frantic, um, you know, fighting, trying to get away from this hook. Every once in a while. Uh, at least probably normally once a trip, um, there will be a lingcod that will um, grab that fish. Oh. A, a, big, a bigger lingcod that will grab that fish. And sometimes this right. is how I get some of my biggest fish. And they actually call it hitchhiking because they'll, they'll grab this fish that you've already hooked. There won't be any hooks in the fish, you know, and so, but they've just, they've just got a hold of it. And they just won't let go. Oh. And so... Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell my I tell my clients at the beginning of every day, you know, if you're reeling up, or if you're fighting this fish and you feel, you know, kind of like a medium-sized fish tussling, 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 and then all of a sudden you just feel like something really big and heavy, or just got mm -hmm. a whole lot heavy for some unexplained reason, um, just don't panic, don't jerk on it or anything like that. Just reel slowly, because as long as you don't keep jerking on it or reel real fast that fish won't let go. And then you oh, just God. bring it up. And as, and as long as you don't take its head out of the water, it doesn't feel threatened. And so I just get the net and I just dip underneath it and we get a twofer. You get a twofer. What a deal, man. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That's so, cool. And that, and that, ha that happens a lot, a lot, but those are normally big fish that do that. Yeah. So, so how much meat do you get off of, let's say, a 30-inch lingot? Um, yeah, I've never waited. That's a good question. Um, I would say probably, you'd probably get, I don't know, 30 inches, probably four pounds, maybe. Oh, really? Okay. And you get what? Yeah, a you know what I mean? day? Is that the limit? Yeah, you get two lingcod per day. And then, um, right now the limit on um, sea bass is five. So, you know, seven fish all total. Right. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, ling lingcod, you really got to look at them to appreciate them. But uh, I really think <laughs> after a body weight head. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'll be darned. But, but, no, really, no. but really, truly. Now, are you, are you fishing halibut where you're at also? Yeah, the halibut season opens up May 14th. Okay. Um and so as long as this uh, coronavirus business is um, maybe lifted some, um, maybe we can get out and do some fishing then. <clears throat> or we might, have, we might have to wait till June to run out and catch them. So, um, you know, halibut's a little bit different. Um, the technique is similar using herring, um, but um, a lot more weight. You know, we're using two and a half to five pounds of of lead on each rod. Wow. Really? Um, well, because, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, it's, uh, and, and the only time I don't you go out into the real deep water, you know, the six, 600 feet mm -hmm. or that, you know, I, I'm always in like 200, 220 to 300 at the very most. Mm -hmm. And uh, most of the time, just uh, a two pound weight is uh, all I need to get down. But every once in a while, the, um, the drift will be so fast. Um, that I'll have to uh, put on five pounds of weight just so I'm not having to, to put out a thousand feet of line to, you know, right. touch the bottom. Right. So, and and these are Pacific halibut that you're catching, is that right? Correct. Yep. The bigger species. Yeah. 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 Now, how how big do they get off the coast of Oregon? You know, there's um there's quite a few hundred hundred plus pounders that are caught. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, um, you're not going to find 400 pounders like they have up in Alaska mm -hmm. and stuff, but um, there's, there's a lot of them that are um, caught that are 100 pounds. Um, I would say, you know, fish that are 50 to 70, yeah, let's say 75, 
that are um, that's pretty common. Okay. You know, but those fish that are, you know, forty to fifty-five pounds are really the best eating. You know, mm -hmm. once they get once they get into that seventy-pound range and stuff like that, even though they are great to have, and man, the fillets that come off of them are just spectacular. Mm -hmm. um, the muscle groups are so big in them that they're just just not as nice to eat. Right. You know, they're just uh, they're just just tough. Uh-huh. Uh, so, um but you know um and but you know this uh the limit's one per person um but uh and <laughs> and they are just a uh, a lot of times after you fish with one or catch one, uh, you know, you're you're kind of happy that the limit's only one because <laughs> they so are true. Well, you know, even in the shallower water that I fish in, it's a, it, it's a lot of work to reel a sheet of plywood up off the bottom that doesn't mm -hmm. want to come up, mm -hmm. you know? So um, it's a, it, it can be pretty tiring. And I, I don't have yeah. electric reel like a lot of guys, uh, you know, a lot of guys do. Um, uh -huh. And, uh, but uh because I, th I think that should be part of it, you know. It should be part of the joy of fishing is to actually, you know, enjoy the fish and work for the fish and I stuff agree. like that. I agree. So do you have many people that will bring up a 100-pound halibut and, and then let it go? Well, I've, um, I've only got one <clears throat> okay. that was 100 pounds. Um, and um, that was in a private boat, not as a, as a guide. So okay, uh, it was, and, and we and we kept that, and that's one of the reasons that we know that it just really wasn't that enjoyable to eat that fish. Yeah. So yeah, I you know I was up in uh, Wrangell. Oh, it's been a couple of years ago now, and we went out uh, kind of on a on a, a, a private boat, and there was four of us, and and we were going to fish some waters that were known for some fairly large halibut up there, and we all agreed that if we got anything to the boat that was over eighty pounds we'd let it go because typically that's a female anyway. And, you know, that's what's going to yep. replenish the stock and that sort of thing. And, and um, we had, there was three of us guys and, and then one of the guys' wives who was maybe 80 pounds soaking wet, little, uh, uh, she was from Korea, just a, a, you know, just very slight lady, you know? And so we all agreed, anything that comes to the boat over 80 pounds, um, we're going to let go. Well, we fished and fished and fished. And, uh, getting close to the end of the day, guess who hooks up? It's Mary, right? That's the lady's name. And, and she couldn't get this fish off the bottom, you know, and, and uh, her husband was, you know, asking if he could help and, oh my God, no, you're not helping me. This is my fish, you know? So she fought this right. darn thing. Uh, Damon, we got it to the boat and it was one of those, oh my God moments, you know? <laughs> and and uh, it was sort of agreed at that point we're not letting this fish go. This might be over right. 100 pounds. We're not letting this one go because this has been too much work. So we, we gapped <laughs> it and brought it aboard. And, you know, people were riding it like a horse, beating it with that, uh, you know, with that stick or the bat and finally got it to go to sleep. And uh, we brought it in and it was 187 pounds. It was more Holy than crap. twice the weight of the, of the young lady that caught it, you know. And uh, I watched them fillet it out. And you're right. I mean, there's the, you know, the, the fillets are incredible, but, uh, you know, they, they were bigger chunks of meat, you know, and, and uh, uh, probably a little, I, I ended up taking some of that fish home because there was so much of it, you know, and it was a little harder to, it was a little harder to, to cook and it was a little bit grainy, um, you know, it still had a good flavor to it, but it, it wasn't, yep. you know, that, like that fluffy, flaky, you know, um, uh, meat that you get off of a fish that is, you know, 50, 60, 70 pounds. And so I can appreciate what you're saying that the, and, you know, if you're picking up fish that size, that's kind of prime when it comes to halibut. No, yeah, yeah, and you're right. You know, especially about, about those bigger fish being females, you know, that, that's really true too. You know, Alaska is actually having some problems with their halibut stocks just simply because, you know, those, uh, especially the the big commercial harvesters, mm -hmm. you know, they are keying on those great big fish 
and um, they're not able to replenish their their halibut stocks like they've been able right. to do in the past. I mean, they're kind of they're kind of hitting that peak to where they're taking so many of the big breeders mm-hmm. that they're really not filling in, you know, at the back end to keep their stocks right. going. Right. <clears throat> so it's, um, you know, and so they're going to have to do something about that. And, um, you know, just for anybody else who might, you know, be listening to this, there's, um, you know, there ha- so it's hard to let those great big fish go. But mm-hmm. lingcod are the exact same way. The great big fish are females. And mm-hmm. this time of year, from February on to uh, the beginning of June, that's when the spawning period is in off the Oregon coast here. Right. <clears throat> and those great big, great big females, they take and they come in from the deeps to spawn in the shallower waters. And shallow is anything like 200 feet and less. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, to lay their eggs and you know a big female that's you know you know 40 inches or so is um gonna have close to a million eggs inside her holy moly and um you know and if you look at a picture of a big fish and it's got a great big sagging belly on it mm-hmm. you know that's that's a, a pregnant female and um as hard as it is I'm, i really truly i encourage my clients whenever they get one of those to to let them go yeah, and um, I've, I've had a couple of people say yeah, that's the biggest fish I've ever caught. I, I I really want that fish, and I have to I have to tell them that you know you're not going to enjoy this fish. You know the meat of, on this fish because you know they put so much of their body energy, mm-hmm. you know fat and stuff like that. It goes into the making of those eggs. Right, the, the quality of meat's just not as good. Just like salmon that come into the river. You know, the hens are the ones that always have the meat that pale first because, you right. know, so much, so much goes into the egg development. Um, and then everybody who's kept one, though, when they see the fish as I'm filleting them, and they see how the meat is just it's softer, it's mushier, mm-hmm. just it doesn't have that really nice firmness that lingcod meat has. <clears throat> and I've had people call me later on and say, you know, you were really right. You know, that, that fish just wasn't just just wasn't as good and stuff i really yeah. wish i would have let it go let it go yeah but um yeah you know there has to be there has to be some conservation there you know um mm-hmm. i would never refuse somebody to keep a fish but if it's right. something but you know and, and no matter whether it's me or somebody else if that you're hiring as a guide you know just trust what they have to say it's every i want as long as every every other guide wants people to have a good time and take home fish and stuff but uh just because it's the biggest doesn't mean it's going to be the best table fare yep um yep you know so just if a guide tells you that you know you're not going to enjoy this fish it's just not going to taste good even though it's the biggest fish you ever caught yeah you know just 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 i don't know you you just might want to take their advice on that so absolutely well hey let's talk a little about this kind of unique port that you go out of called depot bay um, Depot Bay is is kind of world renowned, isn't it? Is like the smallest n- natural port in the world, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I do believe it does have that uh, that reputation. No kidding, no kidding. So, so where? I mean, if if you looked at Oregon, where is Depot Bay? Well, it, it's it's on the central Oregon coast, and it's between. Okay. Um, two really um, touristy cities of Newport and Lincoln City. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of right in the middle between them. And um, it's really interesting. It's different than um, any other port you'll probably ever see. You know, most like uh, Newport um, has a really long jetty system um, mm-hmm. that keeps the waves from entering the bay. But uh, Depot Bay doesn't need a jetty because you access it, the ocean through a hole in the wall. Um, you know, um, yeah, thousands of years ago, um, you know, wave action and stuff like that, um, created this giant hole in, um, all the bedrock there. Um, so there's, um, you know, so there's an opening that is probably about, I don't know, 60 feet wide. And, um, that uh, and it kind of has a 
a slight S shape to it um, uh -huh. that um, all, the, all the boats travel in and out of. Um, and so it's really super well protected from waves on the outside. Yeah. Um, uh, because of the way it's set up. I mean, it's a flat calm on the inside, but boy, it can be just a raging torrent on the outside sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's small. It it's probably only has a hundred boats mm -hmm. that are moored there all the time. Um, you know, so most people, let even me, uh, we don't moor boats there all the time. We just launch every day and yeah. uh, go out and catch our fish. But because it doesn't have a huge charter fleet or commercial fleet there, um, it has some of the better fishing because it really ne never gets overfished like the Newport area does. Oh, no kidding. So yeah. you would be considered, I mean, if, if there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast uh, from the Southeast and in the Southeast, and the, the charters are considered either inshore or offshore and inshore would be from about 17 miles out to the shoreline and then the offshore would be 17 miles and beyond. You know, you, it, it sounds like you hardly ever go out 17 miles. Yeah, really, there's not really any need to do that except for halibut for the most part. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in the summer, the halibut move in a little closer to the shore. So there's times you don't even have to go that far. Um, but, you oh, know, wow. for my halibut trips, I travel, you know, 12 to 15 miles out of Newport. Uh -huh. Um, from from my halibut trips, um, yeah. but otherwise, yeah, I'm I'm close to shore for everything else I do. Um, you know, for salmon trips, um, occasionally, you know, if I really have to search for fish, I might mm -hmm. travel eight ten miles offshore. Um, but otherwise, um, there's really no need to to travel far offshore at all here in Oregon for uh, rockfish especially. Um, you know, the guys who go out and fish for albacore tuna may mm -hmm. travel, you know, 30 to 60 miles offshore. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, for pretty much any other species that people want to go for, there's no need in Oregon to okay. do that. So you, you, you get people in the boat and you go out the little hole in the wall there at Depot Bay and what, you're, you must be fishing in a half hour at most? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yep. Really? Wow. Sometimes, so, sometimes not even that long. Really? No long boat rides and that sort of thing. I went out of uh, uh, Charleston years ago on a halibut trip. There's some halibut beds out there. And, and uh, we were told up front that, you know, we were going to be looking at about a five-hour ride out to the halibut beds, you know. And holy smokes, that got old real quick. And then we got out there and we had... Uh, uh, 16 foot rollers and oh my god that was that was a mess you know and caught our halibut thank god real quick and then and then came back in but we spent 90 percent of our time you know under power and it was you know we got our fish but boy that was a long day well you know it's uh um you know and i was mentioning earlier that you know people like you know fishing out of my boat because you know you don't have the diesel smell you don't have that elbow to elbow mm -hmm. um you know, fishing program. And, um, you know, with, with my boat, my boat is, um, a 24 foot, what they call open sled. Uh -huh. And so, um, it's, so I'm well under the 40 feet that a lot of these charters are, you know, 40 to 50 feet. And so I have to pick really good days to go out on the ocean, you know? Got so, it. um, I don't, uh, you know, if, if there's swells that are, you know, over six feet and less than 20 seconds apart, you know, I don't mm -hmm. go out on those, you know, it, it has to be a really pretty calm ocean for me to, to be able to go out. And so right. it's uh, that, that's another nice thing that people appreciate is that um, I do get people get seasick occasionally, but it's not, it's not a given that it's going to happen. You know, it's like a, a 16 foot roller day. And I would never even venture out on a day like that. That's just yeah. this is miserable. Uh, that was the only that was the only time I was ever convinced of doing that, and I had my fill of that real quick. So, so what? Who, who makes the boat that you go out on? Uh, the manufacturer of my boat is Koffler. Um, it's oh, a wow. nice uh, it's a it's a small man. It's a small operation. Uh, it, 
uh, smaller than you know a lot of them. You know, there's um, there's a lot of boat manufacturers here in Oregon that make these um, aluminum sleds, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of them are you know more mass manufacturers. Coppler is a small family business, um, but uh, it's it, they're they're really just more the soundest boat I've ever been in. I've I've had a couple of other boats. And, you know, being on the ocean, especially, um, I've, uh, you know, being in other guys' boats as well as having boats myself, you know, I'll be out and uh, you might have a choppy, a windy choppy day, you know, to where that bow smacks, smacks waves, you know, as you're coming in and, and stuff. Right. And I've had boats that just shuddered every time you hit one. Oh, and that's just a real unnerving feeling. To you know, have a boat kind of shaking every time that happens. Just kind of mm-hmm. wondering when it's when it's gonna. You know, they call it beer can. You know when yeah. that nose yeah. just crumples. You know, right? And right. Um, uh, and stuff. And so, um, I learned about Koffler from another guide, and um, I've heard about heard about them, but I never really knew much about their boats, um, because I was under the misguided idea that. Um, because they were a small business, their boats weren't as good, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but then once I actually really started looking at them and stuff, I realized, holy cow, you know, they put a lot more bracing and put a lot more effort into their welds as, mm-hmm. and the rigidity of the boat than other people do. You know, um, a lot of the boats have just really smooth sides on them where, or, um, on cofflers to add more strength to the boat, they actually have um, kind of like a, a corrugated rib that runs down the sides of the boat. And mine, because it's got taller sides, has two. And so, and that just adds a whole lot more structural s- stability to the boat, as well as um, the bracing and stuff, all the extra bracing and stuff in it. Um, you know, I just, uh, my boat's for 24 feet is 6,000 pounds. Holy um, mackerel. What's the, what's the beam on that then? Eight feet. Really? Oh, it's really wide. Yeah. So, yeah. but, um, but you know, it's uh, every, every once in a while, cause you know, the ocean's unpredictable and the forecasts aren't always true. You know, um, I, I've, you know, been out there and had to come home against some pretty strong winds. And I have never felt more safe in a boat as mm-hmm. I do this, as I do this one. I mean, mm-hmm. it just, uh, it's just a tank on the water. Um, but it's, uh, uh, but you know, I'm still able to on calm water, get up and go 40 miles an hour with only a 150 horse motor. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's a great boat. It's literally the best fishing platform I've ever been in. And and you've got a lot of creature comforts in that boat too, don't you? I mean, it, it everybody has their own uh, kind of overstuffed seat, and and it's a it looks like you could uh, be very very comfortable on that during the during a day's fishing. Yeah, the only re- way it could really be much better would be as if everybody had an air ride seat, you know, to sit yeah. in. But uh, yeah, it's uh, th- those things just take up too much storage space and and mm-hmm. stuff. So. But that would be the really only way better. All the seats have armrests and stuff, so you know, so you can be, you know, comfortable and kind of lean against them and uh, and stuff like that. There's a, a fair amount of space between everybody, you know. So um, every once in a while, when I'm in a a, a six-person salmon trip, you know, especially when it's all guys, you know, guys being much bigger framed and mm-hmm. stuff, it can be a little tight to net fish around other people, you know. But uh, yeah, we get it done one way or another. Right, right. Well, very good. Well, it sounds like uh, the the boat is set up for what do they call it? Uh, social distancing and and that sort of thing. So, uh, uh, being kind of open bow, you get all that fresh air anyway, and and uh, it sounds like a very comfortable trip. Yeah. So you know, if they uh, if we have the social distancing um, regulations, you know, when they open things back up, um, you know, I'll probably only be able to run. Instead of six-person trips, probably only legally be able to run like three, maybe four. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm sure there'll be some restrictions in it, but and you know I think the uh, the social distancing thing isn't really. Uh, I don't know if it's so much for the boat, 
but mm-hmm. more once you get back to the dock because you know you get a whole bunch of people at the fish cleaning station and stuff and it'll be uh it can be pretty packed good point now, now that brings up a question when you take people out uh, you provide the fish cleaning when you get back and that sort of thing yeah so um on days that uh you know we get limits of everything now the lingcod are pretty easy to fillet and um mm-hmm. i i get a lot more meat off of them than the um, the fish, there's a bunch of ladies that fillet at the docks <clears throat> and I get a lot more meat off of them, off of the uh, carcasses than they do. Um, uh-huh. so I fillet, I fillet all the lingcod, but there's so much faster at it than me that I give them all the sea bass and let them do them. Um, uh, got it. And, and, you know, the sea bass are real super, um, their, their bone structure for their ribs is they're real super thick and hard. And um, I just, they, they just dull my knife like crazy. And so I let, I let them do them for, for, for a buck of fish. And uh-huh. uh, because, and then they get, they're normally done with them by the time I'm done with everybody's link cut. So right. it works out pretty well that way. But, but so, yeah, it's kind of a 50-50 thing, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Now, now we've been talking about the fishing saltwater. Uh, you're still uh, doing a lot of... Uh, Freshwater trips uh, for salmon and steelhead on coastal rivers? Um, no, no. All the boat, no. all the boat ramps are shut down right now. Oh, so, but um, I'm saying if they weren't shut down, you 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 still provide stam- salmon and steelhead trips? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We would, you know, this is the um, this is the spring salmon season has been going on for a little bit right now, um, and. Uh, uh, with uh, it hasn't started hot and heavy yet, but there's some fish getting caught, um, and then the summer steelhead are moving in. So there's there's that opportunity, but the um, the coastal rivers, literally all the boat ramps are are shut down. They're barricaded and gated, so um, there is no way to fish those coastal rivers right now. Oh wow! But uh, gosh, I would imagine they might be stacked up with fish by the time they open those up. That That'd be kind of a, a novel, uh, forgive the fun, a novel trip to be the first one down. I, I imagine uh, that'd be a pretty good day of fishing. Hey, well, yeah, you're not going to be the first one for very long. So, because everybody's <laughs> thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Well, well, Damon, how do people get a hold of you if uh, they want to book a trip with you and uh, um, enjoy some of the, just the, the wonderful fishing that you provide there in Oregon? So, well, if anybody wanted to get a hold of me, um, you can do it through, uh, through my website. You can send me a message, um, or you can just take and call me or text me. Um, mm-hmm. My phone number is on my website as well. So um, my, my business name, Nomads Fishing, it's, uh, it, it's just my first name, Damon, spelled backwards. Um, so, oh, really? also, I, I've never known but, it really. That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but it also does kind of, uh, describe my, my fishing business because, you know, there's, I, I won't maybe fish kokanee one day and trout another and then go fish lingcod the next day or salmon or uh-huh. something like that. So in some ways I am kind of nomadic in my fishing. Um, right. so it's kind of, uh, a, a little play on words there. But um, now you can Google search me if you uh, want to, or if they're listening to it and they want to uh, just write down my phone number for a text or a call. It's uh, 541-619-5671. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we sure appreciate the chance to uh, hear about your antics on the water and, and uh, you know, all the, all the uh, great opportunities that you provide people once this, this damn pirates gets gets uh, lifted a little bit and uh, we wish you uh, a, a you know a, a good season in 2020 and i'm sure you're looking forward to an even better season in 2021 yeah me too so um and for if anybody is to, interested in making a trip out here to the pacific northwest um to fish with me that'd be great um, we are supposed to have a much better fall Chinook year this year than we have the last oh. couple. So we have that to look forward to. But um, if uh, if people are wanting to make a trip out and go fishing, if uh, I want people to know that if 
I'm not into uh, just doing things for myself. If I'm busy and if I can't accommodate them someday, I will find another guide for them that, that oh, I trust to good. do work for them. So, um, and, and that doesn't cost anything. Um, so I just really want people to have a good time and go fishing. So Terrific. And, and you're accessible by, by air, by people flying into Portland. And then there's also a uh, airport down in Eugene, which is what, about a half hour from you? That takes commercial flights. Yeah, it's about, it's about yeah. 40 minutes from the town that I live in. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So the, the, uh, the accommodations uh, up where you're at, uh, got plenty of places to stay if they need a place to stay overnight and fish, fish with you maybe for a couple of days. Do a salt trip and a freshwater trip. And uh, that sounds like a good opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, there's all kinds of things to do here, um, and um, you know one of the other nice things about the the summer salmon fishery is uh, you know every once in a while fishing is fishing, and you know it's really hard to catch fish, um, especially salmon, you know, because they're so such temperamental critters. Um, but because I do bottom fish, and not a lot of guides do that, um, if fishing is poor, I will actually stop and and then uh, change up Briggs just a little bit and go and um, work on catching bottom fish so people have something to take home. So, ah, very good. So Very good. Well, that uh, it sounds like you got, you got a lot, lot of things uh, that uh, people can enjoy, and that's, that, that's awesome, Damon. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy it, and I enjoy meeting people and uh, getting them into fish, so it's, it's fun. Yeah. Sounds cool. Well, hey, tight lines, my friend, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, hearing how this year turns out for you. All right, Ted. Perfect. Okay. Thanks. You have a great day. Evening.